Mums with Hustle podcast, episode 146. Welcome to the Mums with Hustle podcast, where you'll discover everyday mum entrepreneurs killing it in their industry. Learn the secrets you can replicate to create your own success with your host, Tracy Harris. The episode I'm sharing with you today is a topic that we have not covered on the Mums with Hustle podcast in all of our 130 plus episodes. Oh yes, today we are chatting all about hiring and growing a team, but particularly hiring millennials and how they can actually help grow your business. Today's guest is Mary Shaws. Mary has spent her career as an author, speaker, and entrepreneur generating positive and pragmatic solutions for people who are freaking out. She blends personal experience with her extensive knowledge of neuroscience and human behavior to guide businesses and individuals to defeat that freak out and create their ideal life. So during this episode, Mary is going to share some expert tips and strategies to help you cut through the chaos that business brings to fully achieve your biz goals by hiring millennials. Wow, I'm excited to dive into this one. Welcome to the virtual couch, Mary. Hey, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to meet you, Tracy. Thank you. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is all mine. Let's start with, you know, letting you tell us a bit more about yourself your family, and then, of course, your entrepreneurial side. Like, what has led you to be in the place that you are in now? Sure. I appreciate the question. Well, I am 44 years old, and I have quite a unique story that's very much a rags-to-riches story because I've been out on my own since I was 16 years old. So I was a senior in high school when I first lived on my own, and I was really a person that had very little guidance and zero resources, but still managed to muddle my way through the rest of school. And people are pretty fascinated that I was able to recover from that and start my first business at the age of 24. So I'm also a mom. I'm a single mom. I have two sons who are 17 and 18 And I'm very excited and proud. And most of what I do, of course, is to support them. Wow. Okay. So you've certainly had like some challenges along the way, but nothing has stopped you. Like this is the thing. You are clearly hardwired to look for opportunities and not just see difficulties or blocks. And I love that. So why do you believe that it is important to harness your words to change your mind, to impact your choices, and ultimately your life, because I see that as being a great strength of yours. And how can this positively impact mums in business that are embarking on their own journey? I think that words are so powerful because the words we speak are a mirror to our subconscious programming. The best way I can explain this is to share just a personal story from my own life that for 10 years, I wanted to write a book. And I would go around and I would say to anyone who would listen to me, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And so as I was just saying, words are powerful, and they're a mirror to your subconscious. 
And so when you hear me say the words, I want to write a book, it's like you can see that written on my soul that I've come into this life with a purpose to write this book. But I've really got a big problem when the next words out of my mouth are, but I'm not a writer, because those words are also revealing something from my subconscious. They're revealing a belief system that really isn't in alignment with my dream of writing this book. And so that's one way that words are so powerful by showing us or revealing to us something hidden deep within our subconscious mind. And the way to sort of get past that is to take a step in a new direction. And so one of the things that I did was attend a writing workshop. And within seven months, I had a book deal with Hay House Publishers. But the thing is, it's not about writing. It's how often do we say, you know, I want to start a business, but I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I don't have the education or I want to lose weight, but I don't have time to go to the gym. We say the thing we desire and we cancel it out with the but excuse. This is so true. So, so true. And we see it manifesting itself in all sorts of forms. Even, you know, I want to do Instagram stories, but I don't look put together enough today to get behind camera. Or I want to host an event, but no one's going to come or I don't have a platform or I don't have an audience. There are so many buts and so many excuses that we attach to our words and to our desires. And then we end up kind of just living in that way. So words are extremely powerful. I love what you teach around reprogramming your beliefs and bringing intention to the words that you speak. Can we chat now for a moment about your top strategies, Mary, when it comes to helping biz mums kind of cut through the chaos and the noise so that they can stop apologizing for wanting more time with their family? You know, I'm talking about the mum guilt and all of that stuff. And how can they begin to turn their passion into profit? That's a very big question, and it leads my mind to go in many different directions, one of which being that it's very important that you organize what your current focus is. So the way that I do that is I have something called the core four, which the core four is just four areas of the business that I'm currently focused on. So it's different than a goal because it's really something that's going to be the driving force of where you put your energy And then anything that's outside of one of those four things really needs to be, if you're putting any energy towards it, it really needs to be a yellow flag, meaning should I really be doing this? Should I really be spending my energy on this or is it a distraction? Because many times as an entrepreneur, you can get pulled in 17 different directions when the real truth of the matter is it's much better to triple down on one thing than it is to try to to work on many things at once. And so that's sort of like my first strategy. And then the second thing you said about apologizing for wanting more time with family, I think that, and I'm going to be a little bit hardcore here with my answer. I love it. Bring it. (laughs) Thank you. Your personal life is none of anyone else's business. And I think that as mompreneurs, we get into a little bit of oversharing. But the truth is that you shouldn't be apologizing to your clients for wanting time with your family because that shouldn't even come up in conversation. Like in other words, instead of responding, let's say you get a request in 
If you feel like responding with, I can't get this done by such and such time because I really want to honor my commitment to my family, that's not a professional answer. A professional answer would be, I'm going to need this amount of time to finish this project. I will have the deliverable by August the 1st. Do you see the difference? Okay. Yes. What about this one? I get this one a lot in my inbox. Like, so sorry, I I missed your email. I like to keep these days for my mummy days or, you know, what's your advice when it comes to rephrasing that? Should you rephrase it? Do you even need to lead in with a sorry, I don't work on Fridays because that's my one-on-one time with my children? That's a really great question. Can I ask you a question? Yes. If you get an email like that, how does it make you feel? Well, being in the business that I'm in, I'm like, power to you, girlfriend, for having these boundaries. But I also don't feel like she needs to apologize for it. I think you need to own it and celebrate that you're creating a life and a business by design. So I don't think you need to lead with an apology. I see where you're going with this. Thank you for that clarity. I would go a different direction and I would say that as a client, if I got an email like that, I would feel like my needs were not going to be met. Ah. I would cause a separate issue for me. Now, what I'm saying is I think that you're right. It doesn't need to be about an apology. And in this case, the relationship that you're having with the mom is a little bit different than the relationship that I'm picturing. Yes. So if I have hired somebody who is a solopreneur, then I am putting a lot of risk in their hands because they don't typically have, say, a staff and a team. So I might worry that my needs aren't going to be met. And I don't think that it's reasonable, on the other hand, I don't think it's reasonable to expect an email to get answered right away. So I agree that there's no reason for the apology. So I would just say something like, thank you for the apology. I'm looking into your request and, you know, blah, 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 answer the email. I guess I'm saying there's no real need to give the reason why the response took a day. Yes. Okay. And I totally love what you said about that it's okay for an email to for you to have office hours. I think that's completely okay. I don't think that we need to attach excuses or personal reasons to why a correspondence maybe took a bit longer. I don't think we need to lead in with that because it sets the tone, as you said, and it can breed for some people or for some clients It can breed the idea that, okay, well, maybe this is going to be a bit of an issue or maybe they've got too much going on at the moment. And especially if it's a new client, you don't want to have that type of thing in the air leading into getting a new client. So I totally see what you're saying as well, but I do think context plays a huge part there. Okay, let's talk now about hiring millennials. So a lot of millennials are taking the route of, you know, running their own online businesses and I'm excited because I have a kick-ass millennial that works for us as well here on our team. And they're offering cool services, you know, like from graphic design and virtual assistants. Shout out to my assistant, Lara. We love you. You know, data entry, everything. There's millennials just totally kicking ass. So in your opinion, why do you think that mums in business should consider hiring millennials to help with their online business management? So I feel like this is very important to distinguish. There's a difference between hiring a millennial in the capacity that you're talking about. Like if you're hiring a millennial as a freelancer, 
versus if you're hiring a millennial to be part of your staff. Yes, totally. Okay. What I could really talk about is hiring a millennial that's part of my staff because that's something that I do quite often. And the thing with millennials, and and this would probably apply both ways, whether it's a virtual assistant, a freelancer, or a direct staff member. But what I notice the most about millennials is it's really important for them to have impactful work, and they're very purpose-driven. So we're living in a time where this younger generation is very purpose-driven, and I think that that's going to take us to some special places. And it's very important for them to be working in an environment that they perceive to be humanitarian plus, meaning that the work that is being done is moving the human race forward or it's contributing to human evolution versus humanitarian minus, meaning that it is stalling evolution or it's even harmful to people in some way, shape or form. So I think that it's very attractive for millennials to work for companies that are doing good in the world and maybe less attractive to work for, say, the fast food company or, you know, something that's perceived to harm or stall human evolution. Oh, I totally agree. And I see that as being one of their superpowers because they are generally heart-centered people wanting to have an impact, wanting to serve on a level that is not just about them or not just because it's not about towing the line. It's not about pleasing the man. It's about having an impact. And I think that's so powerful when harnessed in the right way. Wow. Okay. So in what ways do you recommend that biz mums keep millennials working for their company coming from the context that it's not just a freelancer, but you have some millennials on your team. And of course, you're going to train them up You're going to nurture them. You're going to develop them and you want them to stay and last the distance. You also want to develop their capacity as well and their own professional development. So how do you recommend that we nurture our millennials? That's a great question. And it's a great topic because I think that millennials have a reputation for not being the best employees. Why is that? What's the thinking around that for for those people that have those views or limiting beliefs. And this would, of course, be coming from a place in, in the U.S., but I would say, and again, this is a stereotype, like a reputation type of thing, but it's sort of that millennials have this reputation for being very entitled. Yes. <laughs> and that can cause problems or they don't necessarily follow through or they don't have that strong work ethic. You know, if we take a look at the baby boomer generation from years past, you know, they had a very strong, strong work ethic. And millennials are one of the first generations that's had information at their fingertips, like for a very long time, some of them even since birth. So this puts us at a different type of generation gap. One of the things that I find that in order to get that early engagement, to get them on your mission, because I have actually built a rock star millennial workforce, and I haven't done this because I've always been the greatest leader, and I haven't done this because, you know, I make the best decisions or that I'm a nice person. I've done this because my business is built on a mission, and having that mission-driven work is really something that attracts them. But once you get them, I feel like it's important to establish expectations, boundaries, and level of authority. And it's important to do this right away. 
because just like when I was young, when I was in my 20s and first starting my business, there was many things that I needed to learn along the way. And I was willing to take those hard knocks in order to teach myself those lessons. Just, you know, explaining to them exactly what your expectations are and also doing things in a way that shows them what's in it for them. Like, you know, here's the expectations, here's the boundaries, here's your level of authority. And if you can live within these terms, this is what you're going to get out of this experience, really showing them what is in it for them, their growth their job opportunities, the types of projects that they will be working on and and how that will like impact their overall career. So I guess it comes down to really communicating with clarity the significance in their work, the significance for them, but also for the bigger purpose, as you say. Yeah. You want to hear a little funny millennial story? I love a story. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So this was a couple of years ago, but I had this really unusual situation that happened at my office and it was all around the Christmas picture. So every year our staff, we have like a group Christmas photo that we send to all of our clients and we have about 4,000 clients and we have about 20 employees. Well, people sort of grunt and hem and haw about the Christmas picture because, you know, it's a Christmas picture. <laughs> But this one particular year, some of the ladies decided to give the newest employees control over the Christmas picture. They said, you're in charge of the Christmas picture. Okay. And I walked into the office on the day of the Christmas picture and nobody was working because everybody was in the break room and they were making these crafts like Santa hats and reindeer faces. And they were making all of these like props and stuff for the Christmas picture. And I have to be honest with you, Tracy, that I just about lost it. And you know, the reason I lost it is because the phone is ringing and no one's answering it. And everything had just gotten ridiculous. They had literally decorated with wrapping paper one entire wall <laughs> of the office. I mean, they were spending hours on this. And so if we think about, okay, so I felt like a Scrooge walking into this, but the truth was my business was not running optimally because people were more focused on this craft part of creating this Christmas picture. So if I just apply expectations, boundaries, and level of authority to this situation, expectations, the expectations are you have, you're in charge of the Christmas picture you can have this much budget and you can have this much employee time. The, the expectation is you take the picture without the interruption of work time. That's an expectation. They can understand that. Yes. Boundaries. Boundaries meaning you cannot decorate the entire office like a giant Christmas package. You can decorate this one area. You can use these supplies, you know, setting boundaries, and you cannot have everyone off the phone at the same time. And then level of authority, again, they don't have authority to dictate that these other employees are, are away from their jobs and doing making crafts. Now, that's all fun. See, here's where it went wrong. They were not given expectations, boundaries, or level of authority. And with these two new employees being given this gift of this Christmas picture, of course, they wanted to make this the biggest, most exciting Christmas picture in the yep. history of Christmas pictures. Yeah. And it probably went over a whole bunch of friends in the process, like just be, you know, you're new. And, and they went way <laughs> overboard, right? Yeah. But they wouldn't have done that had they just been given the right information. 
Totally. Because they don't understand that ebb and flow of like, we can't just ignore our jobs to make a Christmas picture. There has to be balance. Yeah. They were definitely caught all up in the heart of the task and just making it be as memorable as they could. And yeah, they forgot about the work. Of course. <laughs> but you know what? It's wow. a sweet. Their intentions were in the right place. And I know that. Yes. But it ended up being this really big lesson for me where I'm looking at like, wow, because, you know, that situation had repeated itself in other areas where there's a difference between paying attention to detail, but then be so overly focused on it that you don't get it finished. Or you know what I mean? It's like understanding how to take those boundaries so far to get the job done, but understand that employees have a cost to them. Yeah. Yeah. So expectations, boundaries, and level of authority. I love it. Okay. That is a really good framework for managing the millennials. Let's talk about social media, I guess. And for you and I, you know, we weren't really born into this world of the internet, but like we're seeing generations popping up now where the internet just always was. They probably can't imagine a life without it. We're seeing generations come up with social media being just so completely normal. So what tips can you share on how millennials could be used as a social media megaphone of sorts when it comes to our businesses and and how we market our business online? Well, I think that if a millennial or anyone that's really into social media, if they're really passionate about the work that they're doing, it's just going to be natural for them to share that on social media And a lot of them are very social media savvy and, you know, it just becomes very natural to them and they know how to network quite organically on social media. So I definitely think that, you know, whether it's an MLM or, you know, whatever the particular job task is, that they'll just naturally start sharing on on social media actually without any prompting. I had a friend or I have a friend that owns a gym and we started this like 10 years ago I mean, before Facebook groups and all of that were really a big thing, I said, you know, I think you should have a Facebook group for the group fitness members. And I think you could ask the instructors to just post when they're going to teach. And it ended up being huge. And all the instructors, like I said, this was like more than 10 years ago, but all the instructors just started posting nonstop like, hey, I'm teaching cycling at 7 a.m. Come join me. Wow. Okay. So you are so right because I definitely see like for some people, social media just comes supernaturally and for other people, it it doesn't really. Like if that is not your wheelhouse, if that's not something that brings you joy, it's not something that you do easily, this is where outsourcing can become really beneficial. So I see millennials as being great people to have on your team when it comes to running your social media and even giving them the opportunity to contribute their ideas when it comes to content or ways to collaborate online, it comes so naturally to them because they were almost born with this at their feet. How have you used millennials to kind of grow your own social media presence or have you, or is this something you'd like to do? I really haven't. I mean, the nature of business that I'm in is very confidential. So for that reason, we haven't. I think that occasionally, as far as like personal development content, a lot of them just might on their own, if they see an article I've written, they might just share it. But I haven't ever asked anyone 
in particular to share anything. It's just like maybe what they choose to share. Yeah. Or even, I guess, as you said, bringing forth trending articles and things like that, or sharing articles and passing things on that way. I've definitely done a lot of like inviting them to collaborate. I've definitely done that part of it, but not necessarily having them be the actual megaphone. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. Like I think for a lot of the listeners out there, just consider it. Like there's just, I see a lot of us saying that, you know, we can't achieve enough in our business or we don't have enough hours in the day. And this is why I've gotten you on on the podcast, Mary, because I see that millennials have so many great strengths that we can tap into and bring them on into our teams. And social media is one aspect that I, I do see comes really naturally to them. And it would be amazing to see more people outsourcing, more people working with millennials and then drawing on their strengths, particularly when it comes to social media. But we're about to wrap up our chat, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on and just giving us some food for thought when it comes to having millennials join us in our businesses, whether it's through freelancing or as a part of the team. But where can we go online to learn more about what you do? Where are you hanging out? Well, I have a Facebook group. It's called Fearless Ambition. And anyone can join that group if they'd like to interact with me. Of course, I've got a website, which is MaryShores.com. And I think that one of the best ways to just see if you like the work I'm doing is go on Amazon or Book Depository or wherever you find your books and look at the book Conscious Communications. I'm very proud that it was a number one best-selling book on Amazon published by Hay House last year. So it's Conscious Communications, your step-by-step guide to harnessing the power of your words to change your mind, your choices, and your life. And I always say, if you just read the description, you'll know right away if the book is for you or not. The book has one coaching exercise after another in every chapter of the book. And if you are a mom entrepreneur, it's such a perfect book for you because especially at the end of the book, I give you a one-page action plan because one of the ways that I've ran my business for over a 20-year period is I never wrote like a five-year business plan. I always just wrote these one-page action plans and it has served me so well over the years and I wanted to share that knowledge. I think that is like you hit the nail on the head there. Like we don't need to have these elaborate plans, particularly for mums in business. Like let's just get it out there. Let's keep it simple and we can still move forward. Congratulations on the book. I think you've come so far clearly in your own mindset from back in the day when you used to say, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And now to have a best-selling book on Amazon is no easy feat. And yeah, so I'm really excited for my tribe to head on over and check that out and continue to learn from you. But thanks for jumping on the podcast and chatting to us about growing ourselves a team with millennials. Thank you so much. And I'm I'm sure we gave you a link for our free gift, which is the Daily Desires Diary. So if there's any way for you to link that up for the listeners, I'd really, really appreciate it. But it's just a fun daily journal for you to um, state three things you're grateful for three proud moments of the day and three things you desire. And if you do that as a daily practice every day, I guarantee you within 45 days, you'll see huge differences. That is so true. Everything comes back to contentment and gratitude, and you're just going to open yourself up for more of that, more possibilities, more opportunities, and less 
chaos and overwhelm. No need to freak out. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make sure I link to that, Mary. MaryShores.com slash Desire Diary dash bundle. But I'm going to put all of that in the show notes that accompanies this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Tracy. I really enjoyed you tonight. 